apologize to all of you who will now have that song stuck in your head for the rest of the day. And I apologize to your spouse for when you sing it, okay? So, because that's what happens to my wife. She gets tortured because I only know one line of any song anyway, and I sing it over and over and over again. But that song points out a reality that all of us wrestle with. I'm not sure what all the meaning was behind it when it was writing and what's meant by the silver cup. Um, I'm going to go ahead and reinterpret the song and say it's communion. may not be what they had in mind at all, but it works for me, so I'm going to run with it. But its theme is one that touches each and every one of us, loneliness. There is perhaps no greater enemy of the soul than loneliness. There's something deep within every human being that not only fears loneliness, but knows that we are made for something more, something greater. Ultimately, that's why selfishness never satisfies, because it always isolates us from everyone else. Selfish people are often the most lonely because they have truly made themselves an island to which no one else can penetrate. Loneliness is our soul's cry for lasting, intimate, 
relationship. Ultimately, it is our cry to belong. In our series, our B series, we've looked at, um, be, uh, at being, we've looked at uh, becoming, we've looked at believing, that God calls us not only to believe, but to belong. We were made for something deeper, for a relationship with Him and a relationship with one another that is incredibly important. And all around us, in every um, facet of society, in every um, culture, loneliness is a theme that resounds. Let me give you some quotes from, from different people about loneliness. This one's from Mother Teresa a woman who saw the greatest poverty that you can imagine in the streets of Calcutta, and she said the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved. The author Joseph Conrad described loneliness as a naked terror. Holocaust survivor Albert Schweitzer made this observation, we are all so much together, but we are all dying of loneliness. Can you imagine someone who had gone through the horrors of the Holocaust, and yet the thing that they feared most, the overwhelming emotion that came to the surface was loneliness. I found this one really interesting. This is from Gretchen Rubin, who I know absolutely nothing about. And so if she's a really horrible, bad person, forgive me, but it's a true quote. So there you go. She wrote the, the Happiness Project, and she says this. Keep in mind that to avoid loneliness, people need both a social circle and an intimate attachment. Having just one of the two may still leave you feeling lonely. And I thought that was actually really, really astute because all of us have a two-dimensional loneliness. On the one hand, we have a deep desire to be accepted for who we are and to have an intimate, unconditional love, to be recognized, to be given worth. But we also have a deep need for community to not only have a person who loves us unconditionally, but then to be connected to others as well. It is that very need that Jesus Christ came to address, that sense of belonging, belonging to him and belonging to one another. One last one, Joanne Harris made a good observation in saying, on, uh, excuse me, online communities are an expression of loneliness. Isn't that true? We try to substitute because there's an emptiness. And unfortunately, the social networks can never fill the gap and fill the void. A study out of Australia of 1,200 adults in the Journal of Clinical Nursing found that nearly one-third of the respondents reported feeling lonely right then. 35% said they just feel alone. Men were more likely than women to report being lonely. It also found that people who said they had strong religious beliefs were less likely to report feeling lonely. A study carried out uh, by the relationship charity Relate in the UK 
found that one in 10 people didn't have a close friend and that nearly 20% had never or rarely felt loved, at least in the time before the survey. Humans were not designed to be solitary creatures. We were made for communion, communion with God and with each other. We are called not only to believe, but to belong. Maybe some of those feelings and emotions describe where you are today. I want to tell you there is incredible, incredible news. The gospel means good news. And the good news is that God cares about your loneliness. And he stepped in to do something about it to rescue you and me from the loneliness and the brokenness of this world. So we're going to begin there in understanding that God cares about our loneliness and our need to belong. From the very beginning, when God created everything, he said it is good except for one thing was not good. In Genesis 2.18, then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. God recognized that we were made for community. And, and the reason that we are is we're made in his image. We're a reflection of who he is, the imago Dei, the character and nature of God. And God is a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They exist in relationship to one another. All three are equally God, but they're connected together as one. And because we are made in his likeness, in his image, we have within us a deep need for community, for connection, to belong. The scripture often speaks about this in a variety of different ways, one of which that is a, a very dear passage to Becky and I, because it's actually where our wedding came from, is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. God understands our loneliness and our need. He cares about it deeply. He cares about it so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to experience that loneliness, to bear it, and to provide a way to draw us back into the relationship we were created for. Jesus himself experienced our loneliness. Jesus, who is both fully God and fully man, experienced all the feelings, the temptations, the hardships that we do on this earth. Whatever you've gone through, he understands it. He experienced it. So we can take comfort in knowing that he understands firsthand what it is like to be lonely. Think about all the times when he was off by himself. He would go off to spend time with the Father, giving us an example of where our resource, our well is found for life. But the way that he experienced the greatest loneliness was on the cross. 
For when he bore your sin and my sin and took upon himself the penalty that you and I deserved, there was a consequence that was greater than the physical agony of the cross, more piercing than the nails that went through his hands and through his feet. That agony was a separation from the Father and the Spirit. Which is why he cries out, and we have recorded in Mark chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God himself was willing to bear the raw loneliness of the human soul, the separation from God. He understands where you are right now. He understands what you're going through because he knows you better than you know yourself and he invites you to call on him. That's why Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary, who are worn out, who feel like there is a mountain of weight sitting on your shoulders and that you can't go on. He says, come to me and take himself upon you because he cares for you. That's our God. He cares about our deepest needs the fears that reside deep within us that you won't tell to anyone, he sees those. He knows those. And he longs for you to simply bring him to him so that he may lift you up. Well, God not only cares about our loneliness and experienced our loneliness, God has a solution, and it is a beautiful, amazing solution. God's solution for our loneliness is adoption, to belong to him and his family. And I can't think of a more powerful word that describes love than adoption. Because adoption is by choice, choosing to make someone your own, your family, to make them connected to you in every way, shape, and form. That's love. And it's beautiful. Now, next week, Ian's going to look at belonging from the standpoint of belonging to one another. But today, we're going to just look at what it means to belong to God. That's what's pictured really in communion, is the way that we're able to belong to God through Jesus' sacrifice, the giving of his body, and the pouring out of his blood, but it's something that we do together because we are members of his body. We are part of the beloved. Beloved is a great word. We don't use it as much in English as we should, and usually we use it in a romantic sense. Um, when, we, when we talk about someone that we're dating or that we're married to in a relationship with, but beloved comes from a, a great word in the New Testament it, it comes from the root of the word agape, which means unconditional love. It is a covenant love. And God has invited us into that love that he has for us to share with him and with one another. And so his solution was to send his son to purchase our adoption as his children. That's the passage that we, we heard just a few moments ago. Let's look at it here in Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, at the right moment, 
God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. This means he became human and he suffered all of the restrictions and requirements that the law points out. When it points to the law, the law, it's an interesting thing. The law is like a mirror. And how many of you in your bathroom, you have two things. Uh, I'm assuming most of us do this. You have a mirror and a sink. Anybody not have that in your bathroom? If not, we'll help you out. We'll get you a mirror. You know, and it's an interesting thing that they go together. Um, In a sense, they go together like the law and the gospel. Because the mirror is there to show you (laughs) what's wrong. And, and more often than not, when I look in the mirror, I see more and more that's wrong, and, and it's getting worse. Any, I, none of you have that, but when I, uh, yeah, when I look in the mirror, that's what I see. That's the law. The law shows me all the ways that I fail, that I fall short. But that mirror can't wash my face. It can show me how dirty it is. <laughs> how old and wrinkled it is, and all the other failings that are there, but it can't do anything about it. But right below the mirror is a sink that's designed to wash us, just as Jesus offers us washing and forgiveness when we place our trust in Him. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Yes. Now you'll think about that the next time you look in the mirror and you see how much older you've gotten. (laughs) Born under the law to redeem those, this is verse five, who were under the law so that we might receive (coughs) adoption as sons. I don't know about you, but you need to let that sink in, in its fullness. Jesus Christ didn't just come to get you out of hell. He didn't just come so that you could escape the punishment that sin deserves. He came to make you his own so that you would belong. And every one of us are called to be his children. And as it says here, as sons and daughters and heirs, equally his children. Now chances are you don't feel very worthy Chances are you feel like there are other children that God has that he likes better, and that is a lie from the enemy. Because God the Father knows everything about you, every failure that you'll ever do, every sin that you'll ever commit, and he chose you anyway and said, I want you to be mine. I want to adopt you as my own. That's how much I love you. And I love what it says here It says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts that cries out, Abba, Father. That word is daddy. That's what he invites us to do. With all that that entails, it's a picture of a child running to the arms of his father, daddy, 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 and daddy reaching down and picking him up and holding him right next to their heart. Now, maybe your experience with your earthly father was, was not that good. Or maybe you had a great experience with your father. Whether it was good or whether it was bad, 
we need to get an accurate view of God's love for us. As a dad, I feel like I've been given the privilege of seeing a glimpse, just a glimpse of God's heart. This afternoon, um, our daughter will and her husband will fly into Prague. And man, I, I don't get excited and antsy about many things. You know, I'm, I've probably said this to you before, and my wife will attest to it. My whole emotional scale is four to six. It just doesn't go any farther. Unless you're talking about me getting to be with my kids, then it peaks the end of the meter, you know, in the 12 range. You know, it tips over the 10. Or when they're hurting, when they're in need. But God the Father, his love is so perfect and so pure. And he invites us to live, to call him daddy, and to respond to him in that way, to run into his arms. We receive adoption through faith in what Jesus Christ has done. He has redeemed us and bought us back from sin. But that's the first step. It is not the end. Redemption was never God's intended be-all and end-all work of grace. God redeemed us in his son so that he might love us and delight in us even as he loves and delights in his eternal son, Jesus Christ. He loves you just as much. You need to let that truth sink into your heart. God provided through Jesus Christ a way for us to be adopted, a way for us to belong. And our belonging means that we are to live as heirs and not as orphan slaves. Adoption is God's act of making room within his triune love for prodigals, for rebellious children who are without hope and providing them with homes in this world and in the world to come. This is what it means to belong to him. He has opened his heart and his arms to us to be his children and his family. That's why he says in, the word says in 1 John 3, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and so we are. The question is, and it's a really, really important question, do you really see yourself as an adopted child, as an heir, or do you see yourself as an orphan slave who's trying their best to get God's attention, to earn your way, to show that you're worthwhile in and of yourself. You see, that very thing, that pride, is what stands between us and God in the first place. And there are some symptoms of living with an orphan heart that I want to point out to you. Think about these statements and... and Ask yourself if they are true of you, where you are right now. I live as though my actions will make God or others approve of me. I tend to be critical and judgmental. I'm disappointed when others do not live up to my expectations. Fear and anxiety often dominate my thinking. I must try harder and do more. I find it hard, if not impossible, to forgive others. I feel distant from the love of Christ. 
I don't believe that God will change me or others. I must work towards it. And I base my worth on the success of my efforts. Every one of those things is a symptom of loneliness. It's a call of our hearts saying, I want to be accepted, but I want to do it on my own terms. What God asks us to do is to turn away from that, from trying to measure up on our own, and by faith to embrace what he has already done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He sent his son so that we could become his children and joint heirs. So have you trusted Christ for salvation or are you trying in your own goodness to be acceptable to God? The law shows us we can't do it. We look in the mirror and yes, there's a problem. But we need to be washed in the blood, in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and not in our own efforts. Oftentimes, we have a distorted view of God, and the only way to correct that view is to go to his word, to see who he truly is, and to examine his son, because Jesus Christ came to show us the Father. One of the reasons over the last, um, last week, I, I told you about this scriptural exploration guide that we have on the website, and there's copies out front, and there's some copies down here, is because I want you to see who God really is. And take a survey of Scripture and get to know Him. Now, in a minute, we're going to show a video that's one that I've read this before, but I've never played the video. But it's a collection of 50 different verses that talk about God's love as a father for you. And I want you to listen to them because these are summarized statements of His Word. And you'll see the verse reference at the bottom of the screen uh, on each one of these. And I want you to ask yourself, do you believe that these are true? Because this is how much God loves you. Would you allow his word to penetrate your heart, to penetrate your false view of him, and help you to see him accurately? Let's play the clip of the Father's love letter. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I'm familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. 
are not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my Son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad, Almighty God.
Maybe you've never understood God in that way. Maybe your view of who He is is something different. And maybe you've never come to the point where you've trusted His provision, His Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior and Lord, and been adopted into His family. What I want to do is we're going to put a, a prayer on the screen, and I'm just going to invite you that if you've never done that, to pray that prayer, to come to know Him, to receive the adoption that He offers to you right now. For those of you who, who already know Him in that way, would you let those truths, maybe certain ones that, that you heard in those verses, would you just take those to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to... I want to see that and make that a reality in my life. I want to trust you and believe you and belong to you in the way that you have offered me to be your child. Here's the prayer. And I just invite you right where you are to pray something like this. Your own words, say it in your heart language. But the Lord is inviting you to receive salvation, to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's the prayer. Father God, I want to belong to you. I believe that you love me and that you sent your only son Jesus to die for me. I turn from my own ways of doing things and I turn towards Jesus. Right now, I receive the free gift of his life in exchange for my old life. I place my faith and trust in Jesus alone to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and for forgiving all my sin. I receive you as my Savior, and I will serve you as my Lord. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Let today be the beginning of my new journey as a member of your family. Thank you for being the way for me to belong and to come home. I pray it in Jesus' name. God himself has done all the work for our salvation. He offers it to us freely, but we must humble ourselves and receive it. He then invites us to live as we truly are joint heirs with Jesus, to belong to him. But that belonging comes also with some responsibilities on our part. Belonging means that we are not our own. In fact, the scripture is very clear. We have been bought with a price. We belong to Christ. So not only do we ask him to save us, but we give him ownership of all that we are. Galatians 5, 24 through 26 says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. In other words, we need to live like what has been given to us is absolutely real. That we are now God's child and we give him ownership of ourselves. That's what belonging means. I belong to my wife, which means I give all that I am to her and not to someone else. God calls us to do the same thing. And he tells us in the scripture that our bodies belong to him. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. This means what I do should be determined by whose I am, by the fact that I belong to God my character, my behavior. My eyes belong to him. My relationships belong to him. My words and my attitudes belong to him. My work belongs to him. All that I am belongs to him. And when we come to communion to share in the Lord's Supper, we are told that we are to do so remembering the death of Jesus Christ and asking him to examine our heart and our life to see if there's areas where we've turned away from that ownership and we've tried to take it back and say, Lord, I want my way instead of yours. And God, when he brings us to the table as his children, he invites us to look at our hearts and place ourselves back into the hands of the one to whom we belong and turn from our sin. So that's what we're going to do here in just a moment. And as we do that, we're going to invite you to come and share in the cup and in the bread. But we're also going to have, I'm going to ask for some of our intercessors to be over here on the side. And if you're struggling with loneliness, you're feeling empty and forgotten, or there's some need in your heart and your life, I want to invite you to go over there and pray with someone. Or if today was the day when you said, Lord, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. And you received the adoption into his family, I want you to tell somebody about it. So after you come through, stop over here and talk to someone or even just go straight there and share what's the need in your heart and your life. It'll be a family time for us. I want to end with this verse that I think is so beautiful in describing, in a sense, communion. It comes from Ephesians chapter 1. The end of verse 4, it says, In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. Communion is a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The bread represents his body, which was given. The cup represents his blood, which was shed. 
given to cover over our sin and give us his righteousness. So when we come, we are remembering what Jesus Christ has done for us. We are remembering that we have been adopted as sons and daughters. We are remembering that we belong to God. I would simply want to challenge us to examine our hearts before the Lord and say, Lord, are there things that I'm holding back? And if so, give them to him. Turn from self-reliance, turn from selfishness, because the only way that the loneliness of your soul will be set free is when you step into the full embrace of the Father's love as his child. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for the love that you have poured out on us and for us that we might not only be saved, Lord, but that we may live as your children. Lord, in the upcoming weeks, as we look at belonging to one another and, 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 and what that means for us as your people, Lord, help us to remember that it is rooted in the salvation that you have given to us and the position that you have given to us as your adopted children. It's not based upon our performance. It's based upon your work and your grace. Lord, help us to commit ourselves to you to give all that we are to you because you have given, Lord Jesus, all of your life for us. Thank you for the bread that represents your body. Lord, we ask your blessing upon it that as we receive it, we will remember your sacrifice. And Lord, that we will seek to honor your love with our love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the cup that represents your blood that was poured out for us. Thank you for the forgiveness that you purchased for us because we could never, ever, ever earn it. Lord, not only did you forgive us, your word says that you've clothed us, you've covered us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, your perfect, eternal, holy son. Speak to our hearts, Lord, as we come together to celebrate as your children. Lord, let it be with joy, with remembrance, with awe, and with wonder at your great love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna invite our servers to come and serve communion. and invite you to come. If there's any spiritual need that you have in your life, People will be over here on the left, on the, my left, over here to pray with you. We invite you to come.